Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome into the hard count, the people's show and the people's podcast for every single thing that you know and that you love about college football. It happens here on a daily basis on YouTube, still figuring out how we're going to approach this podcast, but we are fired up to have you on board. College football season is getting closer and closer within 20 days at this point in time till toe meets leather getting fired up just thinking about it today on the pod we got some good things in store on tap we got dj ui unglele and why i believe he's the guy at clemson the expectations for oklahoma heading into 2022 going to talk about what brent venables is going to bring to the table there and the brand of football they're going to play in norman also going to talk about why mario cristobal is a picture perfect fit at the u but first we're going to take our Pulse of the Program series down to College Station, take a pulse of the Texas A&M Fighting Aggies. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. The Pulse of the Program series continues as we make our way down to Bryan College Station and take a pulse of the Texas A&M Aggies. A lot of buzz about that program here in the not-too-distant past where some of it wasn't necessarily for even things going on on the field. Nick Saban and Jimbo lined it up in, in the headlines and had a very public dispute, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about what is the pulse internally within that locker room, within the people making it happen on Saturdays, and then within the fan base. The people who are showing up on Saturdays. Probably one of the most visible fan bases in all of college football. Lastly, I'm going to give you my diagnosis, my word of advice, if you will, for what I think Texas A&M needs to do in 2022. Internally, I'm looking at Texas A&M, and the pulse of the program is we've peaked over the mountaintop. Because if you remember correctly, they beat Alabama, the big dog Alabama, the the Goliath, if you will. They took them down. And for Texas A&M, that was sort of the moment where they're saying, okay, we, we, we did it. We, we can do it. We did it with a backup quarterback who's not even on a roster anymore, but we did this, folks. We're capable. We have it under the hood. That sense of belief is enormous for Texas A&M. To have gotten over the hump like that cannot be overstated. Now, they have to do it consistently. It's not good enough to be Alabama one time during the regular season. you got to do it consistently week in and week out. Within this team, how they're built, added depth to the D-line, get a lot of guys back from a season ago in terms of guys that lost from injury. The concern for me is youth because of their 22 projected starters, 12 of those guys will either be sophomores or freshmen. Now, youth is not a bad thing. How quickly can you mature? That's the question I'm waiting to see. It's no secret. The quarterback room is a battle right now. I mean, you got Connor Wegman, who's the future. You got Haynes King. You got Max Johnson going toe to toe. I would slightly lead Max Johnson for reasons I've already communicated on this show before. But ultimately, 
whoever the best player is, is going to come out of fall camp. Because fall camp is competition time, and the cream is going to rise to the top, and whoever takes hold of that job in fall camp, good. That's all I have to say on that. So ultimately, internally, the poll says, hey, we've, we've done it before, but we got to string it together now. It's not good enough to just be good for one week. You got to do it week in and week out and get to where you want to be. Because Jimbo has made it very clear. He has set championship expectations before this program and said, hey, we're not here just to win the SEC. We want to win the whole deal, get to the college football playoff. And they've been on the cusp of that before. They've been on the doorstep multiple times, it feels like. But then it's a game here. It's a game there. And before you know it, you're 8-4. and four. So for A&M, the feeling internally is, like I just mentioned, we've peaked over the top. We've, we've seen the mountaintop. But we want to stay there week in and week out. In terms of what they're feeling internally with this fan base, the pulse of the fan base right now is a lot of juice, a lot of buzz. They're ready for the next step. Their, their pulse is what's next. Because for Jimbo Fisher, they've done a lot of good things, like I just mentioned. They've teed this thing up about as well as you could ask. The fan base is saying, okay, now let's actually get to where we want to be. Jimbo, we've, hey, we've, we've been patient. We paid you a lot of money, all this, that, and the other. Let's start to see some ROI. That's what they're waiting for. Talk to some people close to that program. They said the fan base is expecting at least nine or 10 wins. The baseline, if everything goes to the dogs, is eight wins. If we got eight wins or less, we might have to have another conversation in terms of what the fan base is saying to Jimbo. You, you catch my drift? The fan base is hungry for that next step. So if you look at these two camps with the internal pulse of that program and that locker room and the internal pulse of that fan base, they're very much aligned. They both have their sights set on what's ahead. What, what can we get to? Because we, like I said, we have been there and done that in terms of regular season accolades. A&M is not a mediocre program, and they've proven that, but they have knocked the mediocre accolades out of the park like they've crossed everything off up to that point they want to get to that next step and that's what happens when you build a program I just want to make sure we're very clear in this this is a part of the building process Jimbo Fisher is installing his guys installing his culture installing his systems and there's an installation process period now the transfer portal has made that a little bit more of a microwavable process but ultimately for Jimbo this next year or two in my opinion is when we're going to start to see that really pay off, really have the ROI. We saw glimpses of it, especially during the COVID year, but this is the season where both the fan base and the program are looking to take the next step to elite. Now, my diagnosis for Texas A&M is very much a matter of jumping off that cliff because when you get up to the top of a cliff or a waterfall or any high dive, you take a look over the, over the edge and you peek and you say, whew, that's high. That is very, very high. And it's scary. It is uncomfortable. It is scary. It is uncharted territory for most people. But you just got to jump. And that's what I would say for Texas A&M. You just have to jump. You just have to jump to be a part of that elite group. And some of that is just the belief as well. Some of that is, hey, I know that I'm going to jump off this and I know that I'm going to get to it. Like you have to believe it before anybody else does. And you have to swing for the fence and all of those cliches. And for AM, 
I think they need to start acting like an elite program. They just need to start carrying themselves in the elite program because I think they do feel that way in-house, but it's a matter of, okay, now we need to set our sights on elite things. We're not, we're not just trying to be a nine-win team. We're trying to get to the college football playoff. And so I think it's got to be a, a jump in terms of belief and approach and mantra, and Jimbo Fisher has that pedigree. Make no mistake about it. He's been to the mountaintop in Florida State. He knows what it's like to make that jump. For Florida, for, for, for Florida State to have done that under him is enormous. But for Texas A&M, the time is now to jump. Close your eyes. Squint real hard. Take that leap of faith. I'm excited for Texas A&M. A lot of good things happening there. They're on fire in the recruiting trail. Good things are ahead in College Station. If you're not following me on Twitter, I would recommend doing that because it's a great way for us to involve you in the show as much as possible. Case in point, we did a poll and I would just basically asked, who's going to be the starting quarterback at the end of the year for Clemson? DJ Uyunglele or Cade Klubnik? Now, I was surprised by the results we got. 55% of you said Cade Klubnik will be the guy by the end of the year in Clemson. And there's a couple of things we got to break down with this because this is coming on the heels of Dabo coming out swinging at ACC Media Day and basically saying, listen, y'all been disrespecting DJ. He's a freak. Said some other things we're not going to add on to that. But basically we just said, hey, DJ's the guy. Make no mistake about it. So the way that I'm interpreting our feedback is maybe DJ's the guy to start game one. But the feeling among the viewership, or at least who answered that poll, was that he's not going to be the guy to end the season. Now, I have another sentiment. I believe that Clemson's going to be really good in 2022. A lot of it riding with DJ Uyunglele. But let's just take inventory. Then I'm going to tell you why I think DJ is the guy ultimately finishing with a point about Dabo that I think you'll be interested in. So here's the deal. DJ Uyunglele dropped 25 to 30 pounds this past offseason, came into Clemson as a five-star quarterback out of St. John Bosco, playing against some of the top competition in Southern California, in the country. Dude's a baller. Okay? Dabo said as much. Dude is a baller. Now, stumbled a little bit last season. We're going to talk more about that, but he's proven he can play before. Then you got Cade Klubnik who is a on-three consensus five-star out of Austin Westlake, also playing against really good competition, went to a high school that has proven they can groom quarterbacks. Cade Klubnick's got the juice. Now, the thought with him is we want to make sure he's college-ready physically. Came in at 179. Dabo said he's up to 195 right now. They're really excited about his progress. Now, here's the reason why I think DJ is your guy. First of all, like I said, he's proven it before. Now, in 2021, he didn't put a lot of great stuff on tape. There's some reasons for that, I believe. But he's proven before the dude can play. And he's flashed at times last year, but against Notre Dame, he came in at Notre Dame, a number four ranked Notre Dame, and threw for over 400, two touchdowns, no picks. Talk about a high-pressure situation. They still lost that game, but not because of DJ Uwe Unglele. The dude absolutely snapped on the road for where he was at in his career at that point to play how he did should tell you a lot about DJ. Now, I don't believe that was a fluke. Some of you may. I don't believe that was a fluke. I think there were a lot of things that went into last season that were difficult for him. Look at his supporting cast. Look at what he had around him. There was nobody there that was going to take the top off the defense. They were figuring things out on the offensive line. Now, his decision-making wasn't great. I mean, more interceptions than touchdowns, that's never a stat that you want. 
but pair a offense still figuring it out with all the pressure that he had on his shoulders coming into last season, filling the shoes of Trevor Lawrence, seeing yourself on a Dr. Pepper commercial. I mean, all of these things just don't make for an easy first year in the saddle. And for DJ, if he can get back to what he looked like against Notre Dame, I don't think it's rocket science saying the dude has got a lot of ability. It's never been a question of ability for me for DJ. So much arm talent, but can he sync up and can they get the supporting cast for him to allow him to be successful? Can they get on the same page? Can, can they hold up their end of the bargain? That's important. I also think DJ is your guy because of what he brings to the table from an experience standpoint. Even more so, who else are you turning to? And that's not a knock on Cade Klubnik. I think Cade Klubnik is the future at Clemson. Again, I don't think that's a novel concept either. Cade Klubnik's going to be your guy and do a lot of great things at Clemson. But in 2022, does he really give you the best chance to get to the playoff? Zero knock on Cade Klubnik. I just told you, he's the future. But if you watch the spring game, game's still moving a little bit fast for him. He's just getting up to playing weight. He's going to be unbelievable in the future. But in terms of to get Clemson to where this defense and this team is capable of going, I don't think Cade Klubnik is your guy. He's going to be, but he's not this year. Then you look elsewhere on the roster. Hunter Johnson, six-year senior. I think he's told you what he is so far. He's a great option, but he's not going to be the guy to win the ACC for you. DJ Uyunglele, when he's on, when he's playing like he did against Notre Dame, at Notre Dame, he's the guy. He can take you to where you're capable of getting. He's got to put it together, but he's got what you need under the hood, okay? Finally, this is the point that I think is most interesting. If DJ's not the guy then Dabo's betting on the wrong dude. To some degree, this has a level of involvement with what you think about Dabo Sweeney. Because some of you out there think, hey, Dabo's going to be Dabo, and he's going to live by the sword, die by the sword, which is his culture. He believes in a certain way of doing things, and he's going to trust in that to a fault. I think a level of that's true, but I also would say Dabo Sweeney puts food on the table by how his football team does. His football team's performance in large part is going to be due to his quarterback. You think Dabo Sweeney's going to put the second best option out there on the field at quarterback? I don't buy that. I think that is underselling tremendously Dabo Sweeney's acumen. Now, to some degree, he is betting on DJ, right? Like there is some level of risk involved. And that's what, I mean, is there less risk playing a true freshman in Cade Klubnik? As long as Clemson is playing meaningful snaps and as long as DJ is healthy, he will be your guy because he's gone through the fire being a starter already. He's got the experience. He's shown that he can do it in spurts, in flashes. He just needs to put it together. He's the best option on this roster. As long as Clemson has something to play for, he will be the guy and he should be the guy. The Oklahoma Sooners have had a lot of things changing over the past couple of months within that program. Guys jumping in the portal, guys jumping out of the portal. Your head coach is gone to L.A. Now you got a new head coach from Clemson, South Carolina, who is Sooner born, Sooner bred. When he dies, he'll be Sooner dead. Then you got Jeff Lebby, who enters the fray from Ole Miss, is now the new O.C. Also, he goes and gets his quarterback, just like Publix that we talk about, goes down the aisle, looks around, says Dylan Gabriel. Actually, I know you're going to transfer to UCLA. 
you're going to now transfer to Oklahoma with me. You cool with that? Of course you are. Let's roll. So that's where Oklahoma is today. A lot of things that have been moving and mixing and matching, but today, dust has settled. They're about to get camp on and popping, and they're going to play football here in the very near future and put storylines to the side. So for Oklahoma, what can you expect from this program? Well, I'm going to give you my expectations for 2022, and at the end of this video, I'm going to tell you the ultimately, uh, how, does this, how do we say this? At the end of the season, where I think they'll be sitting. Okay, you with me? It's rock and roll. First and foremost, from Oklahoma, you can expect a physical brand of football. Now, you might say that's too overarching. It's a tackle sport. You know, it's physical contact sport. Obviously, they're going to be physical. Well, yes, but if you look at what they were like a season ago, this is not a knock on Lincoln Riley, but his brand of football, the, the kind of brand of football he coaches is a tad more finesse than I would say what Brett Venables is bringing in. Okay, I mean, talk about what Jeff Levy's calling on offense, just Brent Venables having a blue-collar mentality in general. They're going to be more physical. If you look into the more finer points of this, Jeff Levy had his offense going about 45 times on the ground. Anytime you're going to run the ball 45 times at your opponent, that is an attitude saying, we don't care what you're lining up in, we don't care how many you got in the box, we're running inside zone. We're running power. You try and stop it. Even if you're getting two and a half to three yards of carry, you're still making those linebackers continue to fill, continue to get up there and run support, stick their nose in there. After a while, I don't care how tough you are. That wears on a team. And so at that point, your linemen are tired. They're, I mean, their linebackers are tired. It's just, hey, we're going to go head up here for the next couple of quarters. You decide if you want to say uncle or not. Having that mentality as an offense to where you're top five in the country in terms of times you're running the football, that's a big deal. Like I said, that's an attitude. That's all about this right here. Color your collar. Jeff Levy's going to make sure they have a blue collar mentality on offense when it comes to running the football. Like I mentioned, Brent Venables on defense. If you know anything about the guy, you know he's hardcore at the very least. Like you have somebody continually trying to pull him off the field at Clemson. You had your own get back coach just for him, which one fires me up too. Tells you about his mentality. Tells you about the way that he's going to coach his defense. And change of script for him, he's coaching the whole team. I would expect we see his thumbprint on the defense more than anything, but that should tell you how he's going to coach this team. On defense, they're going to have a hard hat, lunch pail kind of mentality. They're going to get after the quarterback. They're going to stunt. They're going to bring blitzers from the second and third level. They're going to wear you out by knocking you in the mouth, play in and play out. Can take that to the bank. Physical brand of football for Oklahoma in 2022. Moving forward, Dylan Gabriel will thrive in 2022 in this offense. How do I know that? Because history is a great teacher, and Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel have worked together before. When they were together last time, it was at UCF. Dylan Gabriel was a freshman. Jeff Levy said, hey, here's the keys to the offense. Go crazy. Dylan Gabriel, in fact, did go crazy and was top 10 in the country in terms of yards. Okay, so he's done this before. He's driven this car before. Car goes pretty fast especially when Dylan Gabriel is behind the wheel. In addition to that, anytime you have a new coordinator and a new coach and a new quarterback all in the same place, to have your coordinator and your quarterback spot synced up, that is half the battle, if you ask me. Because the majority of spring, the majority of camp is, okay, hey, quarterback, 
What do you like to throw? What do you feel comfortable with? What route concepts are you feeling like are, are, are your most strong in, in your skill set? Jeff Levy already knows that with Dylan Gabriel. They're already on the same page. The nucleus of this offense is already where it needs to be. Now it's a matter of Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy getting everybody else synced up. And they got a lot of playmakers. Marvin Mims is a proven commodity. Theo Weiss Jr. is set for a big-time year. A lot of people are going to know his name by October, I would say maybe even middle of September. There's a lot of firepower on this offense. Now, guys still have to step up, but there's a lot of weapons for Dylan Gabriel to use. And the fact that he already knows his way around the offense is paramount. In addition to that, there's some things within this conference that I think are going to lend itself to a quicker start for Dylan Gabriel and this team. Because if you look around the conference, a lot of transitions. Iowa State, it was well publicized a year ago. They had like 20 of 22 starters coming back or something close to that. Texas, second year under Sark, new quarterback. They did an overhaul from the transfer portal. Baylor, defending champs. They're coming back swinging. Dave Aran is a magician, but they replace a lot of production. They lost a lot on defense, a lot in terms of what they're doing at the running back spot. New quarterback. You see where I'm going with this? There's a lot of new in the Big 12. In some way, shape, or form, they're asking for somebody to reclaim that throne. And with what Dylan Gabriel's bringing and what Jeff Levy's bringing, the fact they're already synced up, that's going to bode well for the Sooners and ultimately play well to where the conference is at right now. Finally, like I said at the beginning of this video, I'm going to tell you where I think they sit at the end of the year. And here's my expectation for Oklahoma. I'm not going to go out here and, well, actually, I did go out here and tell you that I think they're going to make the college football playoff, but my expectation is that I think Oklahoma, by Bedlam, which is November 19th, second to last game of the season, will be in position to play for a Big 12 title. Some of you might say, well, that is our expectation, too. That's the bare minimum here at Oklahoma. I understand that, but to be able to still be within striking distance of your conference championship in the second to last game of the season means all the other games before that went pretty well for you. And they still have to go to Nebraska. They get Baylor at home. It is not going to be a walk in the park, but it's manageable. And so for you to be able to win a lot of those games that are going to potentially slip you up and to be, like I said, within striking distance of your conference title by your key rivalry game, that's a really big deal. I think Bedlam's going to once again determine who ends up playing in that Big 12 title game. I have my own thoughts on Oklahoma State. Another video for another time. But that's really good news for Oklahoma. If they're in that game and it means something. It always means something on a sentimental and emotional level. But for the national and in-conference picture, that's very good news. And that's a big deal. To recap this whole deal, the Sooners are going to play rock'em, sock'em, knock-you-around kind of football. They're still going to throw the ball. Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy are synced up. They're going to be really dynamic on offense, in my opinion, but they're going to play a physical brand. In that same token, the physical brand is going to benefit Dylan Gabriel because it's going to make for an easier picture, a lot of explosive plays, and the fact that Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel have already worked together, Dylan Gabriel is going to thrive in this offense, folks. I have very, very high expectations for him, as do some other national media members. Finally, Oklahoma, when it comes down to November 19th, they got a date with the Oklahoma State Cowboys. That game is going to hold a lot of weight for Oklahoma's Big 12 title chances. It's going to be a good year in Norman, needless to say. Miami 
is one of the most, in my opinion, difficult jobs in all of college football. It is a place with a lot of other activities. It is a place with a lot of other distractions, a lot of other things that can make coaching that program difficult. And so when Miami hired Mario Cristobal, I've said it before, I think the entire fan base just exhaled. Just, okay, we're, we're in good hands now. And I think outside of just what he's done at Oregon, there's a lot of reasons why Mario Cristobal is the perfect fit for Miami. I'm going to break that down here for you real quick. The first piece of this, Mario Cristobal will recruit Florida. Even more so, he will make recruiting Florida a point of emphasis for this program moving forward. Right now, at the time of this recording, Miami in the on three consensus team rankings has a top 10 class. That is no accident, folks. That is a byproduct of the effort, the intensity, and the juice that Mario Cristobal has brought to the U. They were Miami before, and that's fine. Miami has its own brand, but the U carries a different kind of way on the recruiting trail. Mario Cristobal actually said, okay, that's great. We're going to recruit well. In addition to that, like I said, we're going to lock down Florida as best we can. Of the 16 commits they have right now in 2023, nine of those dudes are from Florida. Folks, that is no accident. And that is crucial to the success of Miami going forward. Because all of the talent in the state of Florida is just ridiculous. Like, there is no way to overstate the amount of, the amount of talent in the backyard for Mario Cristobal and his, and his staff. I mean, honestly, there is so much that you can do with just the talent in your backyard. So to say, hey, we're going to take this low-hanging fruit, quote-unquote, we're going to take what is in driving distance to us, and we're going to make sure that they come to the U. Step one, great. It feels like a layup, but you'd be surprised. A lot of coaches that have been at the U recently haven't done that. It's for Mario Cristobal to understand what needs to happen for them to take the next step, for him to get his program to where he wants it to be, to where it's capable of being. Got to lock down Florida, and they're in the process of doing that. That's a really good sign. So recruiting Florida, the first piece of excitement, the first reason people should be excited for Mario Cristobal being the new head man at the U. In addition to that, Coaches, more often than not, have a persona that their team embodies. Catch my drift? So if your coach is frantic and disorganized and undisciplined, what do you think the team's going to be like? I mean, what do you think his program under him is going to act like, right? For Mario Cristobal, he was very close to being a Secret Service agent. So imagine the persona that Miami's going to take on. The way that I would define this best is they're not going to flinch. They're going to have a steady hand. Now, it, it may be an inkling of that in year one. It might be fully installed in year one. I don't know. But over time, that's going to be the mark of Miami teams. And Mario Cristobal is making an effort to install that right now just by drills and practice. There's a great story out there when Miami was doing spring football practice and going through drills, and they're going through, I believe it was, a, a live period. So at this point, they're moving the football downfield. And on this play, score a touchdown. Everyone's excited. You score a touchdown in spring practice. I mean, that, that's as close to real-life football as you're going to get in the spring. And so everyone's fired up. Mario Cristobal goes to the ref who's coaching, or excuse me, who's officiating the spring practice and says, hey, throw a flag. Throw a flag. Back him up. It wasn't because there was a penalty. It wasn't because anybody held or did something illegal. Mario Cristobal wanted to see how his team would respond to adversity. The fact that the head coach is 
going out of his way to make practice more difficult, even more so to to add external circumstances to his team and trying to allow them to, to get a taste of that adversity in a practice setting to respond better in a game, I absolutely love that. That is a phenomenal sign for Miami Hurricane fans that your coach is already conditioning his team in the physical elements, yes, but in the mental piece of things. To not flinch when things go wrong. To not flinch when there's a penalty. To not flinch when you have a bad play happen. That's the mark of great teams. That's what Mario Cristobal is bringing to the U. Very, very good sign for Canes fans. Finally, it's difficult to really articulate this or quantify this. But ultimately, what Mario Cristobal brings to Miami is someone who gets it. Someone who's from the soil. Mario Cristobal was born in Miami, went to high school 15 minutes from the University of Miami. He played at Miami. He got his start to his coaching career at Miami as a graduate assistant. You could not be more Miami than Mario Cristobal is. And so it matters to him. This program is personal to him. Obviously, it's a big-time job. It's the U, right? Like, it's a very visible brand, national brand. For all those reasons, it's a big deal. But for Mario Cristobal especially... This is personal to him. This is a very real job for him on a personal level. And that bodes well because ultimately he gets what it's about with this program. He gets what makes this place special. He gets what the U is about. Not just Miami. He knows what the U is about. And for a long time, Miami has had coaches that didn't necessarily get it. That's not a knock on them or their acumen, anything like that, but... It's a special kind of coach to succeed at the U. It's not for everybody. It really isn't. I know that's kind of a cliche and it gets thrown out there all the time about it's a cane thing, this, that, and the other. It really isn't for everybody. But it is for Mario Cristobal. He's going to understand what it takes to get this place where it needs to go. So to have a guy that it matters so much to, I think that's a really good thing for Miami. And that's going to bode well for them when it comes to building up this program. All that's to say, Mario Cristobal is the perfect fit for Miami. Credit to that staff and that administration to going out and getting him, to making it happen, to going on offense and getting their guy. It's a good time to be a Canes fan. Good things to come in 2022. I think great things even beyond. That's it for us here at The Hard Count. This has been the first installment of The Hard Count in podcast form. We are available everywhere you get your podcast, whether it's Apple or whether it's Spotify, whatever it is, we are going to be on there and we want you along for the ride. Subscribe to this podcast feed. Leave us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot. It helps us do more things for you because we are obviously for the people, by the people, the people show, the people's podcast. So we're going to keep the party rolling. We will see y'all next time.